0: Modern.
1: Modern. Modern. Modern.
2: Modern. We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Bar Cart podcast. I'm your host, Eric Koslick, and this week, I had the chance to sit down virtually with Chris Kurtz who runs a home bartending community called Socktails. Socks and cocktails seem like an odd pairing. It's actually not as weird as it sounds. See, Chris uses his vibrant and quirky sock collection as the backdrop for his cocktail pictures on social media. Just like an interesting pair of socks is a great conversation starter, so are the glasses and the garnishes that Chris uses to stage his drinks. And he and I share a common goal, which is to get people thinking about cocktails and to bring the discussion to the people who are making and enjoying excellent drinks at home. Speaking of which, I think this is a great time for me to let you make yourself a drink and mention this week's featured cocktail, which is the Sly Bourbon Buck. This is a modern bar signature cocktail because it uses our organic ginger syrup, Ginger by Sly. But the bourbon buck itself has been around for a long time, long, long time. Anytime you see the words buck or mule in a cocktail, it's a pretty safe bet that there's ginger involved somewhere, either in the form of a ginger beer or a syrup or even fresh ginger muddled into the cocktail. Another name for the bourbon buck is the Kentucky mule, which is a nod to the role that the state of Kentucky plays in the production of bourbon whiskey here in the U.S. So, how do you make a sly bourbon buck? Well, it's pretty simple, actually. You fill your mixing glass with ice, then you add two ounces of bourbon, your choice, a half ounce of ginger syrup, a half ounce of fresh lime juice, and several generous dashes of embitterment aromatic bitters. And you stir that up for about 20 to 30 seconds, you strain it into a rocks glass over ice, and you enjoy. Now, Mules and Bucks are very often served as highball cocktails, and what I just described was not a highball. And a highball cocktail just means that it's going to have a little bit more volume than other drinks, and it's going to be diluted slightly more uh, as a result, because you don't want to be drinking a lot more volume of the same alcohol potency. And if you'd prefer to make your Sly Bourbon Buck a highball affair, all you need to do is use a larger glass, either a Collins glass or a pint glass, and then add your desired amount of sparkling water to the recipe that I just described. And because Ginger by Sly is essentially a ginger beer concentrate, this move works like a charm. So uh, if you want to check out some awesome pictures of this cocktail or refresh your memory on the ingredients, head over to Facebook or Instagram or find it in the recipe section of our website. Now Back to Socks and Cocktails. This is a great episode for you to check out, especially if you're interested in photography, brand building, social media, and all the hard work that goes into those beautiful pictures you see on Instagram. Some of the things that Chris and I discuss in this episode include the current state of Chris's sock drawer, which online venues are the best for cocktail feedback and information advice for staging a sexy cocktail photo, how to use hashtags to find great cocktail content on social media, what kind of rum to drink on a desert island, and much, much more. As promised, during the episode, there's a link in the show notes to Chris's home bartending Facebook group, which you can join if you want a dedicated online space to talk about great drinks and get some pointers. So definitely check that out if you're interested, but for now, please enjoy my conversation with Chris Kurtz. Of Socktails.co.
1: Chris, thanks for being on the show.
0: Uh, thank you, Eric. I'm really excited to be here.
1: Fantastic. So as always, would you mind just kind of introducing yourself to our listeners and telling them a little bit about who you are kind of like in general, and then maybe your cocktail persona as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm Chris Kurtz. I'm founder of I guess we'll call the resource called Socktails. Uh, which is really just the resource, Instagram account for at home bartenders trying to kind of get into that craft. Uh, My background is kind of all over the place. Uh, I studied civil engineering in college, philosophy, psychology, um, but unlike a lot of my counterparts, I didn't really do those summer internships. And I found myself in the restaurant industry, uh, managing restaurants, managing bars, uh, and that's the job I got out of college. And I really loved that. I love the hospitality industry. Uh, but also where, where I was was kind of a stressful position and didn't think it was for me. So uh, backpacked across Europe, kind of dropped everything for five months with my now wife, got into marketing uh, when I got back. And what I do now, uh, it's called Socktails, and it's the perfect blend of hospitality. I get to make drinks. I get to learn. I get to teach, uh, but also marketing and, and building a brand, which is something I really love to do.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I kind of have a marketing background as well. Uh, also via a strange route, mine was uh, poetry, and um, so I think there's I think there's commonalities in in what we. You know what? What our brains kind of automatically go to when we start thinking about cocktails and thinking about interacting with people and creating a community. Um, so, right. I, I first off, I, I think there's an obvious question here, and the question is, what's the deal with socks? Like, how how <laughs> did how did we think to combine socks with cocktails?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds kind of silly, and and even talking about it, it sounds silly. But there's really kind of a deeper meaning to all of it. Uh, and when I, was tra- when I was creating this concept, it was back in January, and I knew it wanted to be around cocktails and at-home kind of bartenders, and in my mind, I was thinking, what's the difference between someone who does this full-time and someone who's just kind of doing this for fun as a hobby? Uh, and, I- and I looked down, and I realized I'm wearing these fun socks, and it was just like a light bulb. Uh, the difference is that we're wearing socks at home, you know, in the comfort of our own home. And, you know, obviously they're wearing socks, but they've also got shoes on because I don't think they would uh, pass health inspections if they're doing that.
1: Right. Right. Um, Well, you know, I also I I also kind of noticed something when I was going through your feed. I've been following you for a while. But before this interview, I took a little time to kind of go through your feed. And not only do you have the kind of Kind of the sock thing going on, which I can't even imagine what your sock drawer is like. It's got to be a disaster, <laughs> or or it's like pristine. It's kind of like one of those serial killer things where you have it all yeah. perfectly arranged. Which is it?
0: <laughs> uh, definitely the disaster. I actually just made the the big move from socks sharing a drawer with other things, and now it's got its own dedicated drawer. But I wouldn't say it's very organized.
1: <laughs> That's good. That gives me that gives me confidence because. That's that's how my that's how my sock drawer is. It's kind of a mess. Um, and socks are those they've got those kind of, they've got that kind of thing going for them where they disappear. So they're kind of the most mysterious garment in you know, mm-hmm. in, that, in that respect. So um, I like socks. I think that as men we have slightly fewer um, I guess accessorization options than than women do uh, by and large. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big tie guy, or at least I was, I I don't really get the chance to wear them often. But when I do, I like to wear fun ties. Um, So that's kind of like my version of it. Uh, But what I noticed when I was going through your Instagram feed is that you're also really, you kind of have a really awesome glassware game going
0: yeah the um and that's something that's kind of grown over time and evolved uh and similar to the socks like you can't take a photo of the same socks every day or people are going to get bored it's kind of similar with the glassware uh, I, I mean i'm not at a stage where i can use a new glass every single day but it does kind of change it up and it, it changes the feel of the photo uh and it, it's like one of my best friends he uh for our wedding last year, he got us these nine uh, Waterford crystal glasses, and they're all different. Uh, so I think it's once people know that you're into that, it's kind of like the go-to gift. Like I don't really have to think about this. I'm just gonna get Chris a cool glass and be done with my uh, gifts giving for the year.
1: That is pretty cool, though. I I'm not gonna lie. I would like to have that be my thing. I don't think it's my thing. I think my family my family's still unclear as to what I do. I believe. Um, but but, yeah, if I could get that to be my thing, I'd be quite content. So, um, let's talk a little bit about what it was like for you, um, to kind of start building this community that you've built and maybe start, maybe you can start with when you started getting into cocktails and then kind of build that into, um, the process of starting this community that you've created.
0: Sure, and I think the the term cocktails kind of has a broad definition. And I think at 18, I thought I was in the cocktails, and then you know 22, I thought I was in the cocktails, and then uh, I realized there there's a specific type of you know this craft cocktail that I've gotten in, gotten into now, um, and it's it's not really complicated. It's just that you're using really fresh ingredients, uh, nothing like bottled, really. Um, and that's, so I guess that sort of cocktail game where I'm really concentrating on the ingredients has probably been within the last two years or so. And I mean, the socks I've, I've kind of had for two or three years as well. I I think at one time, my Twitter profile said fashionably late to the sock game. So I don't know where that puts me. Uh, but yeah, and, and building a brand uh, was something that i just always wanted to do uh, I, As I've talked about I'm in marketing But that's that sort of marketing, you know I'm in the software world where my job is to send leads to sales So it's a completely different thing uh, And I wanted to create something from scratch and build a brand and build loyal followers that that are can't wait for your next post um, And it's been a, a really fun trip the whole time
1: for sure for sure so What does, I mean, what does that, what did that start as? I mean, so I, I, I mean, I imagine you started just kind of posting a few photos and how did it start to pick up steam?
0: Yeah, I think Instagram is just, first of all, an excellent community for this. Uh, if you find the right hashtag, uh, and for me it was home bar and this actually started on my own personal account and one of my friends made a comment. He's like, wow, you're really, uh, picking up some steam, maybe that's the the term he used. And that comment alone made me think, well, maybe I could turn this into kind of its own thing. Uh, So that was back in January. And I tell people all the time, if you scroll to the bottom of my feed, you're gonna notice a huge uh, drastic change in the quality of the photos and what they look like. Um, I mean, it's like you, you think about those old Instagram filters, that's basically what this was. Um, and it, it took a little while for me to figure out what what the brand was, and, and really even the socks coming into it, that, that didn't start until maybe two months ago. Uh, and that was my wife's suggestion, and now it's something, I, I'm like, I can't believe I didn't think of that back in January. Uh, and it just takes a while to kind of develop, I, I tried a lot of things that didn't work. I remember trying Jeopardy questions, putting those on my Instagram feed. and. Um, so I, I even took some of those down because it just didn't really match the brand now that I know what that is
1: right, right that's really interesting. so I mean, from a professional standpoint i'm I'm kind of also in the process of trying to quote unquote build a brand i, I i'm I'm more interested in getting feedback from people at this point um, because I think that's the most valuable part for me as somebody who makes. Um, products. I I just want to get out there and get people excited and then get their feedback. Um, And part of what both you and I are doing right now is kind of the larger process of building a community. And I'm sure we've got listeners out there who are kind of experimenting with cocktails, largely on their own. And I know that they would love to branch out out and find some like-minded folks, but for whatever reason, maybe they're in a place where it's hard to gather in large groups because everyone's living far apart maybe they're in a place where the cocktail culture is kind of still working on getting rolling but um i I was wondering if you had any advice for people who want to start building a community like like you are building um around cocktails
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And uh, I feel pretty lucky to be in Boston where there is a cocktail community. Uh, And I mean, there's even like a cocktail meetup that I joined a couple months ago, Uh, but not everyone has that luxury. And I did mention Instagram. I think that's the number one community for that. Uh, I, I can't believe how many direct messages I get or how many I even send them to other people as well. It's just people want to help there. And if you find those, the right hashtags, I mean, just follow that and see who's involved and, and start commenting on them. And, and they'll start to notice you. Uh, another big one, and, and we we're talking about this offline, but is Reddit. Uh, the subreddit bartenders uh, talk about people who want to help others. If you post a question, if you post a photograph of your most recent recipe, you're going to get honest feedback. But you're also going to get people who want to help you make that better and help you get better at your craft. Uh, and I just, I've loved Reddit for a long time and it's only recently that I discovered that bartender subreddit. Um, and a third, and, and this is a totally shameless plug, but uh, I, I just started a home bartenders group. It's a, it's a private group on Facebook. Uh, it's only like 50 people right now, but I'm trying to get like another community together where similar to Reddit, but I know a lot of people don't hang out on Reddit uh, plenty of people hang out on Facebook, and I'm just trying to grow that as well to help people who are trying to get into the craft.
1: That's great. Is that something that we'd be able to share with our listeners?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I have to like accept you, but I, I pretty much accept everyone who who tries to be part of the group, so it's no issue.
1: Cool. Well, then uh, you and I can talk offline, and we'll make sure that we get that into the show notes. And at, at least if we can't give a link, we'll give instructions for people. To search out that community so that they can join up with you Um, so now I was hoping to maybe get into a little bit more of the aesthetic nature of what you're doing Uh, we'll get into things like your favorite cocktails and you know your favorite spirits in the lightning round but one of the things that I'm really interested in is kind of the aesthetic nature of of what's going on with cocktails I I really enjoy um, kind of the entire process from the the room that you enjoy the cocktail in, the glassware, the garnish, the drink itself, the preparation of the drink, the music, whatever, whatever atmosphere and other stuff kind of goes into that experience. And you, in your quest to kind of build this community, have taken the photograph as a medium to communicate that, so I'm wondering Um, what are some of the things that you do and that you take into account to try and communicate a really awesome cocktail experience visually?
0: Yeah, and this is is a really fun question to answer because it's my favorite part, but it also takes the longest amount of time. And I, I don't know if people understand how much time and like planning actually goes into taking a good photo. Um, And to be clear, I'm not like the master photographer over here. I use an iPhone uh, and a lighting umbrella, but it it really comes down to planning it out before it actually happens. So what is your garnish gonna be? What is your glassware? Do you want it to be in the freezer? Do you want it to have that nice look before it comes out or do you want it to be completely clear? Uh, Make sure you're not making your drink too early, Um, or if you do, at least pour it out of the ice. Um, really thinking through that process of what you want it to look like Uh, and one thing i ran into is that uh, we just moved into a little bit bigger apartment but we were in a very small space trying to get creative with this space was almost impossible i pretty much had one room to take photos in Uh, but i think people would be surprised to see the kind of trinkets and the things around their apartment that really add to the flavor not the flavor but the look of the the photo itself uh and and one one of my good friends told me about uh they use rather than like coasters i think they go to home depot or something and they just get like kitchen tile samples or something for their coasters uh so always finding ways to get creative it's not all about you know finding new things and buying new things but really getting creative with what you have
1: that's really interesting i actually am also in the kind of um a small apartment setting um i don't know if it's going to come through in the audio but there's like construction going on all around me um, and it's not the nicest apartment it's definitely not well lit and it's been very difficult for me to take actual cocktail photos in here so i've been lucky enough to have access to a beautifully curated space in the we work uh community here in washington dc which is kind of like a um like a office like a shared office setting uh but they just have beautiful buildings with lots of uh natural light so i was able to do a couple of photo shoots in those places and even with all that natural light and even with a professional photographer shout out to rima desai photo here in dc who's done an excellent job for us if you see photos on our recipe pages and and in many cases on our social media those are her work and we we put a lot of time into Um, those photos. Uh, But it's such a great deal of work. And to know that you do it all with pretty much a lighting umbrella and just an iPhone is is very impressive. So how much Instagram editing do you do to your photos after the fact?
0: I used to kind of sit there, uh, use one of these photo editing apps and, you know, nitpick all these little things and it just took too long the whole process was taking too long and one of my uh photographer friends uh who who actually takes a lot of cocktails i don't know if i can mention his name so i won't but uh, he he suggested this app called vsco i don't know if it's called visco or vsco and part of part of creating that brand is having photos that that look alike that when people see your photos they can kind of recognize a similar theme and so I really, I just go into this app and I use the same filter every single time. Uh, I feel like I'm a magician giving away all my magic tricks, but <laughs> it's it's really, it's really not, it's not that hard. I just, it, it works perfectly for the look that I wanted. And I take the photo, um, that probably takes the longest time, finding the right angle. And then I, I add it to VSCO, find find that filter and get it up on Instagram.
1: So... One question that I have that, that maybe isn't among the questions that I sent to you is, you know, you, you've just kind of detailed all of the technical things, right? All of the things that are going on behind the magician's curtain. And I'm wondering if that takes away from the magic of the cocktail or if that somehow enhances it. I want, Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's, it's funny you bring that up because I think about that all the time Uh, and uh, it's like, you know, when you're, you're making food and sometimes it just, it doesn't taste as good because you're the one who just spent an hour prepping it. Um, I I wouldn't say it's that it doesn't take quite as much time uh, as making food and making a full dinner. Uh, In, in one case, it's really like I'm holding this drink in front of me uh, and I'm holding it for like five minutes, and all I wanna do is take a sip. It's not like I'm in the process of making it. So in a way, it almost makes that, that first sip a little sweeter because you know you're, you've are you been waiting and you've been putting it off to get this perfect photo. And uh, I think when I first started doing it, I was frustrated, and then after a long time, it was just like, you know what? This is part of the game, this is what I do. And you just kind of embrace that, that piece of it and, and know that brands and people and Instagram influencers all over the place. This is what they're doing, so you just have to embrace it.
1: That's funny. I like the uh the kind of earned nature of of that where you you put in the time and then, you know, you finally it it's like when the dog has to uh hold the dog biscuit on its nose and balance it there until the owner says it's okay.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the perfect image. Yep.
1: Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, um, so before we transition transition into the lightning round questions here, I will. I, what I what I want to do is encourage folks um, to do a couple things. One, obviously, follow you at Socktails, um, and then two, you were talking about hashtags, and I think um, in the marketing world, this is something that people kind of um, occasionally just really don't understand. And the way that I think about a hashtag is. I think a hashtag is a bumper sticker. You know, like you're driving down the road and you see somebody who has a, you know, this car climbed Mount Washington bumper sticker, so you know they went there. They've got a Red Sox sticker or a Yankees bumper sticker, so you know who they who they cheer for when, when it's game day. They've got a political bumper sticker, they've got an activism or a religious bumper sticker, and based on these bumper stickers, you can kind of put people into categories. And I feel like hashtags are the same thing. And so my best advice for people who are going to, you know, maybe after listening to this, go on to Instagram or some other social media that uses hashtags and start, you know, searching around, is to not try and reinvent the wheel. Chances are the most basic hashtags like hashtag cocktail, hashtag home bar, hashtag whiskey, hashtag bourbon, these are going to be the ones where you start you know, encountering the largest groups of people. And if you want to zero in on something, then you can get more specific from there. But um, inventing your own hashtag or getting too complicated or fancy with the hashtag is not necessarily going to yield you as somebody who wants to like find a community the best results. You, you wanna kind of cast a wide net and then once you find the people, you can kind of navigate your way to the correct room by kind of being becoming more specific with it, but definitely um, go with the more general hashtags first. Is that something that do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was gonna. I was just gonna add to that. I think the bumper sticker is a perfect analogy. Um, and to bring that even further, that you think about if I'm if I have a bumper sticker on my car, people will passively see that as I'm driving, and, and people might beep at you, or whatever. Think of the hashtag is. Like you can now look at everyone who has a Red Sox or a Yankees bumper sticker right now in your Instagram feed. You can know who all those people are right now, uh, and I think that's very powerful. And I think hashtags kind of get poo-pooed and and they get uh, there's really underestimated for the value they can provide to you who's who's building uh, your brand. And when we say hashtags, like you were talking about, it's it's whiskey and home bar and drink and cocktails. It's not hashtag. This is my drink I made tonight. Isn't it awesome? Because that might be funny to your friends, but it's not going to help you get your brand out
1: there. Right, right. Absolutely. So definitely um, something that people should think about. And another thing that you can, um, you know, if you're somebody who doesn't have that many, like let's say you're on Instagram and you've got 50 followers and they're all your friends and you start you know, throwing some hashtags out there that are popular. One of the things that that opens up to you is like you were mentioning on Reddit, some of those uh, subreddits, those, those communities on that platform, by using the correct hashtags, what you can do is you can start almost soliciting feedback or if not feedback, at least general support from folks who are outside of your small community that you might know in person. Um, and I think opening yourself up to that world of support and encouragement is a is a big first step to building a community and get really kind of starting to take that deep dive into the craft of cocktails.
0: Yeah, that, that's spot on.
1: Cool, so again, um, Follow at socktails and if you have any questions about hashtags or any of that, feel free to you know reach out to either chris or i on on social media or email podcast at modernbarcart and and we can have a, a an offline discussion about this if uh, what we're saying here doesn't make sense or if you're finding that what we are saying might be a little bit different in your case, of course, but what I wanted to Um, transition to now is our lightning round questions where we kind of get a flavor of all the different types of people that we interview here. And the first one, of course, is what is your favorite cocktail? And if you can't name a favorite of all time, what's a cocktail you've recently fallen in love with?
0: Yeah, this one I I spent probably too much time thinking about, um, because I'm always between the the Negroni and the Manhattan. And I know it's so cliche and boring, but I I definitely have to say the Negroni is my favorite all-time cocktail. It's the perfect blend of sweet and bitter and classic, and you feel pretty badass drinking it. I don't know. I just love it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes a statement. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the Negroni is an excellent cocktail. Do you have any particular go-to gins, vermouths, and or aperitivi uh, for that?
0: Mm-hmm. I like the uh, pluralization of the aperitif right there, too. Um, I have to say, for gin, uh, there's a local one here called Grand Ten. They make a gin called Wireworks. uh, And it's just absolutely out of this world. Uh, Very floral, which I really like. It's got some dryness. uh, Perfect gin for a Negroni. Uh, And and if I'm going uh, a little bit more mainstream, probably Hendrix. Uh, I know that's kind of a, a popular one that a lot of people drink, but uh, something about that cucumber infusion is just really refreshing.
1: I was actually, last weekend, I was able to get up on stage here at an event called Taste of DC, and we did some uh, a couple of demos with Hendrix Gin, and uh, we made a Negroni with their gin, and we made a Vesper. So. Uh, definitely with you on the Hendrix Gin. I was uh, lucky enough to enjoy that. So, oh yeah, that's that makes a good Negroni. What about vermouths and a pair of TV? Uh
0: Let's see, Carpano is probably my go-to, uh, but I actually just bought Dolan Sweet Vermouth, uh, so I'm try- I'm giving that a try. I haven't actually tried it yet, but uh, I just ran out of the Carpano, so I wanted to try something different. So, I'm sure you'll be seeing that on the Instagram soon.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I, I really like Dolan. Um, I think Carpano is kind of in a league of its own in terms of just the sophistication and the number of things that are at work beneath the surface. Yeah. But Dolan for the price point is a very, very solid, um, very very, very solid choice. I, I always have a bottle of their white vermouth in the fridge. Um and I think their their red vermouth is also very uh, a great go to. Um, anything besides Campari and your Negroni?
0: Um, no, I mean not really. I I do love the Boulevardier, which is with the rye. I'm a huge fan of that. Um, actually, drinking an Old Pal right now, which is. I don't know if you call it a Negroni variation, but it, it's got kind of the same qualities. So I like to switch it up. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Negroni Week. Uh, maybe like the white Negroni, which uses Suze, uh, which is a kind of strange yellow uh, bitter liqueur. And, you know, any, anything, just a, one little variation, and, and I'm a fan.
1: Yeah. Well, that's great, man. Well, we might have to uh, get you hooked up with some bitters here. I know you're one of the few people who I've interviewed. Uh, who is out of state for me? Even though I am originally from Massachusetts, um, I might have to. I might have to get you some bitters since you're a bitter guy. It seems I might have to get <laughs> you some bitters.
0: Oh, I'm, I'll definitely. Uh, I'll definitely be into that.
1: Great, cool. So, um, moving on to spirits. If we were on a desert island situation here, where you had to take one bottle of spirits with you or one type of spirits, a boatload of an entire type of spirits that had to rest, uh, less, uh, last you the rest of your life on that desert island, what spirit would you pick?
0: Hmm. You know, now that you phrased the question that way, I was going to go with gin, but something about being stranded on a desert island makes me want to say rum, like a Smith and Cross desert. Uh, Dark aged rum, I think. I think I could get a, get along with that for a few years at
1: least. For sure, Smith and Cross, and is that a Jamaican rum?
0: It is, yeah. And I just, my friend's been telling me to try it forever. And uh, you have to be careful. It's definitely got a distinct flavor that can overpower uh, any sort of like I've made a I forgot they call it a, King, a Kingston Negroni, which is uh, sub the gin with with rum. Uh, but you got to be careful. But I mean, if we're talking Desert Island, then uh, give me all the Smith and Cross you can. You
1: can give me. For sure, yeah, and one of the I, I definitely want to get into more spirit-focused episodes here because I'm lucky to to know a few distillers in the area who have a lot of great knowledge on um, specific spirits like rum, like whiskey, like gin. Um, but one of the things to keep in mind is, uh, for those of you listening at home, Jamaican rum is very different from a French style rum, from the French West Indies, from, you know, is is very different from a rum that's perhaps being produced uh, in Central America, for example, right now, there's a lot of interesting rum being produced there. So uh, the Smith and Cross rum, even though it sounds like, you know, wow, rum seems like a very big thing, but the Smith and Cross decision there is actually a very uh, specific choice, That we, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's got a bit of a funk to it, right?
0: Yeah, when you were saying that, I was like the word that comes to mind is funk, and I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's like when you drink a a red wine that's got a little bit of that funk; it's just got it, and there's no other. There's not a better word to describe it.
1: For sure, yeah. There's that's that. I'm actually uh, contemplating doing an entire episode on the way that we describe flavor, uh, because uh, I have a personal beef with certain. wine wine label terms like fruit like fruit forward or Mm. um you know like like chewy or something like that because i think that although they can be accurate in some situations they tend to be abused and people people just kind of take it for granted but uh in in the case of funk that is a very (laughs) very specific thing when it comes to rum and as soon as you taste the the funky rum you'll know exactly what it is you'll be able to identify it even if you've never had it before
0: Oh yeah, you'll know. And and in that same vein you're talking about like weird words people use. I was uh at a whiskey tasting, actually people at work, and this word burney, like when it comes down your throat, it's "burny." And I, I think if you if you go talk to like some normal people who don't like specialize in tasting, you'll get some more appropriate words for what, what these <laughs> these spirits should taste like.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we might have to make that more of a survey episode where we we take it to the streets and, and uh, do some do some impromptu tasting notes as long as we don't <laughs> get caught with open containers in public. Yeah, um, I love it. All right, man. If you could have a cocktail with anyone in the world, past or present, who would that person be? What would you drink? Where would you go? Uh, what would you talk about?
0: Yeah, um, this was also a very tough one, um, but I'm going to go... Three hundred years ago, Alexander Hamilton. Uh, I've been obsessed with the musical. I know I'm not the only one there, and I'm reading the book right now. And I just think it would be so cool to go back to 17, you know, 1776, 1790, whenever when you know he was at his prime, um, just spending so much time writing. You know, this guy had to have some sort of spirit or whiskey or, or cocktail to keep him going. I would love to just sit there at his desk while he's writing, have a drink with him and discuss the the future of of America.
1: Well, and of course that was during the golden age of punch. So you've got, you've got a lot of cool punches, a lot of um, rums and brandies in particular. Mm. Uh, So that, yeah, that sounds really exciting. Uh, Have you been able to um, pick up David Wondrich's book punch?
0: No, I've heard a lot about it though. I really have to get that one.
1: I think once you finish with the Hamilton thing, especially if you're into the kind of colonial sense of things, and obviously Boston's a great place to, you know, be grounded in that history. I think I think Punch is something that you'd really enjoy because I think um, he does a little bit better job, even though he does an incredible job in Imbibe, but he does a almost a better job getting into the storytelling aspect of it in Punch. Kind of like instead of telling the grand sweep of cocktail evolution, he gets to focus on certain really odd and strange vignettes, which is really cool.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm definitely into that.
1: Nice. So, speaking of books, are there any particular books about cocktails that have been particularly influential or enjoyable for you?
0: Yeah, and I've, I actually heard this mentioned on one of your previous episodes, but The Drunken Botanist by Amy Stewart. Uh, I read this front to back probably a year and a half ago. uh, And this was really when I was getting into the craft cocktails. And I have to say, like, if you're new to this and you want to learn how things are made, I mean, everything we we drink, everything we make comes from the ground and it's grown in some way. And I, I just think that's such a cool concept. And she does such a good job of illustrating that and kind of bringing it down to the level of People like you and me who aren't the ones out there growing wheat or growing juniper berries for the gin. Um, and, and even with that, she has some great recipes, some some classic recipes. Um, it's it's the perfect book for someone getting into it.
1: Absolutely, couldn't agree more, and I think at this rate Amy Stewart's gonna need to uh, be a guest on the podcast if, if she if, if if I can get some of her time. I'm not quite sure what she what she goes around doing or even where she lives, but uh... <laughs> I think we're, that would be a great guest. We're definitely reaching this critical point of recommendations of her book where it's getting not like embarrassing, but a, a little bit overly flattering. And I think we just need to like get her on the podcast. So, um, yeah. thank you. I, I couldn't agree more with that recommendation. And as somebody who has used that book to inform the recipes that I, that I put out with my products, um, you know, I, I can't, I can't think of higher praise, um, than just the constellation of people on this podcast who have recommended it. So you're definitely in good company there. Um, And in terms of just kind of general advice, um, you know, you're you're somebody who, I'm gonna identify kind of like a potential pitfall to the social media setup here in that when people look at your social media, it all looks consistent, it looks beautiful, it looks easy and that's obviously that's obviously not completely the case. So I'm wondering if there's any advice you can offer to people, not so that they can make their cocktails look like your feed, but things that you've learned along the way that can really enhance their experience.
0: Yeah, I think when I first started, uh, I was definitely experimenting too much without really having the the grounds and the foundation to do so uh and i was just you know I'll, i'll never forget this one this one thing i made that they added like an ipa to and it was just like the worst drink i think anyone has ever made and i think that was when i realized like i i gotta get down to basics um and don't you don't have to get complex you just have to do the simple drinks well Uh, And when you're making a a margarita or a daiquiri, use fresh lime juice, use like your own homemade symbols here, but so easy to make Um, learning the basics and then going from there. Um, And and when you do take it to that next level and start tweaking things, um, tweak one ingredient at a time or one add, add one thing like I've been into tinctures, So add a little bit of tincture and see how it changes things up. Um, And at the end of all this, you have to remember that you're going to mess things up. Uh, I've messed so many drinks up. But I've measured wrong. I haven't measured. You just have to, you know, go with the flow and and remember that this is fun. Like you're doing this to have fun, not to take yourself too seriously. And at the end of it, you still have a cocktail.
1: Right. So I gotta ask. Um, you make a real bad cocktail. You make just a real stinker. What do you do with it?
0: <laughs> um, I'd like to say for integrity's sake, that I drink it. But I, I think that one that I referred to, that was just so bad. I think I had a couple sips hoping to, like, you know, stay stay in that vein, but I, I think I ended up pouring some of that down the drain. But um, aside from that, I think most of them aren't that bad. They're usually just like, you know, I, I could use a little bit more uh, gin here or maybe maybe cut down on the bitters. Um, and those, those are easy to, easy to drink. So for the, for most cases, I would say I drink it.
1: Yeah. Well, so I think for, for people like us, you, you know, you know, you've, uh, you know, you need to kind of step back and think about your choices when you, when you have a drink that you actually need to pour out. I know that's, that's, that's the case <laughs> with me.
0: Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't my most proud moment, but, uh, you know, you just got to go with it.
1: <laughs> All right, man. How can people get in touch with you if they're interested in following you on Instagram, joining your Facebook community, or just generally um, you know, getting to know you, sending you some feedback about uh, you know the, this show or some of the cocktails you're making.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely, by the way, always looking for feedback. I, I reach out to people just to give me feedback what, what they want to see. Uh, the, the handle is it's technically Socktails underscore Co, like Co. Uh, because unfortunately someone has the original Socktails and has one follower, but you know, that's a a story for another day, but just type in Socktails in the Instagram search bar, you'll find me. Um, I'm incredibly surprised at how many people uh, have been engaging in direct messaging. Uh, I respond to everything. So if you want to direct message me, that's great. You can also email me, Chris at Socktails.co. always monitoring that as well. And, and, obviously gonna respond there too.
1: Very good. Well, Chris, I hope that uh, that our communities here uh, have a chance to grow and interact and influence each other. And I just really appreciate your, your uh, insights and just taking the time to sit down and talk with me tonight.
0: Yeah, this was really great, Eric. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you having me on the show.
1: All right, well, hopefully we will get together and talk real soon, but until then, cheers, my friend. Take it easy.
2: everybody thanks for listening i just want to remind you that this episode might be over but the journey and the discussion are just beginning if you're excited about the content in this or any other episode please tell us follow us on instagram at modern bar Cart for recipes and great product tips or stalk me personally at quixologist that's q u i x ologist you can also like us on facebook by searching Modern bar Cart or hit us up directly via email by sending a note to podcast at modernbarcart.com. That email address, by the way, is also the one that you should use if you've got any cocktail or home bartending-related questions you'd like us to address, or if you think you have a unique perspective on the cocktail world and would like to be interviewed for all to hear. I'll see you next time, but until then, drink responsibly and experiment boldly.